Welcome back to another edition of our Diocesan Podcast, Big City Catholics, with Bishop Robert Brennan, the Diocesan Bishop of Brooklyn, myself, Father Chris Henyu. We're back at it at the first week of Advent as we prepare for the coming of Christ this Christmas. We've got a lot to discuss today. Lots been going on, and we'll begin, though, as we begin in prayer. The prayer that I'm about to pray comes from this first Sunday of Advent, the Collect, the opening prayer of the Mass this past Sunday. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Grant your faithful, we pray, Almighty God, the resolve to run forth to meet your Christ with righteous deeds at his coming, so that gathered at his right hand, they may be worthy to possess the heavenly kingdom. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Bishop, welcome back. Cade me la falcha, as they say. 100,000 welcomes. <laughs> 100,000 welcomes. Wow, what a great trip it was. What a great opportunity to visit with family. As you know, we talked about this in the podcast. I spent the Thanksgiving weekend in Ireland. I spent a few days with different priests in the area around Meath, which is in the Midlands area, in a town called Trim. And from there, went up to Sligo where I had the celebration of my cousin's marriage at St. James Church in Eski, in a hotel right on the Atlantic in a town called Inishkron, right next door to Eski. Just wonderful days. I actually had the chance to celebrate Thanksgiving. Several priests gathered, and we had a nice afternoon dinner. The cook there made a full Thanksgiving dinner. Turkey stuffing, all the trimmings. Very nice. All the trimmings. Yes. <laughs> Very she nice. made it special for the American guests. They even, I, I offered Mass in the parish that morning, and they had an American missile, so we used the prayers of Thanksgiving Day. So you so. had your a very very authentic Thanksgiving. Just I, I certainly concert. did. Even the music, she she looked up and found different music that we would have used on <laughs> we would use on Thanksgiving. It was great. It was really wonderful. That's awesome. I, I, my mother uh, comes from County Meath, and I remember when I was a child. That area of Trim was where they filmed the movie Braveheart. That's correct. That castle in Trim. And so it was the big talk of the town. We we drove to see if we get a sighting of Mel Gibson or all the actors, you know, storming the castle. And it's one of the early churches. It was there was a castle there, the, the, an ancient castle, the remains of that. St. Patrick, the story is that his nephew was St. Loman, and Loman found this area and Patrick told him, Go build a church there, and he built this church. So that's one of the original churches. In fact, I found out that it's one of those, how do you say, the ancient diocese that since have been Mm -hmm. suppressed, and that belongs to an auxiliary bishop is named a titular bishop of that, and Bishop O'Hara in New York is the titular bishop of that area. And there's great devotion, and particularly during the pandemic, to Our Lady of Trim. Our Lady of Trim. There's an image of Mary holding the child Jesus, And in the window and in the images you see of her, the poor and the sick are coming to her and she brings them to Christ. It's a beautiful image. It's not just like a parish piece. This is a real devotion, Our Lady of Trim. A venerated uh, image. venerated image of of Mary who uh, inspires. And during the uh, time of the pandemic, many people would come and visit the church, even though the masses weren't able to be celebrated, but to pray before this image of, of Our Lady of Trim. And then this is a great statue of her in the city. Yeah. I've never saw the image. That's interesting. It now was I, new for me. You see that? We, we learn something new. With every every visit, time, right? every time. And while you were there, you and I were speaking, something struck you about 
the, what you yes, saw. Yes, the great, often. I mean, the amazing support for the people of Ukraine. So Ireland is a country that's declared neutrality in all things, and so they, they don't get involved in the military part of it, but they're doing a great deal for refugees and a great deal of material assistance and uh, solidarity with the people of Ukraine. So in Iski, for example, the town where the wedding took place, there were so many Ukrainian flags. It, it was striking. I mean, around the country, I saw the support. But in, in this town in particular, it was very inspiring. And I spoke to my family and they said, oh, yeah, that's there. And in fact, even in Dublin, my one cousin is a nurse in Dublin. They're caring in their hospital, dedicated mostly for people coming over, the injured who are brought over from different parts of Ukraine who've suffered injuries in the bombings and uh, the mines and all of that. So they're, they're doing a great deal of work. And again, back in Iski, it's a nice little coastal town. And so there were a couple of uh, hotels there. I wouldn't call them swanky, but I guess it's about as swanky as you might get in rural Ireland. But they're nice hotels. They're very sure. nice hotels. Yeah. And one of them was converted into homes for refugees from Ukraine. So they're really stepping up over there and responding. Um, and so I was, I was very, very moved by that. And there's that sense of solidarity that we care for one another. Sure. An uncle of mine is a bus driver, retired now, but in Ireland, worked very hard working with the government in Ireland to pick up the re refugees from the airport and drive them then to these different hotels and different places that would be, be giving them refuge. So, you know, we think only in the sense of America and what we're doing in support of Ukraine and those in need. Now, on the other side, I was there we were having dinner one night and the TV was on and we saw the uh, match between uh, U.S. and England during the World Cup. I have to confess, it wasn't exactly pro-American support as much <laughs> as seeing England humble that brought a lot of joy to some of the people I was with. <laughs> that and the other sports news was the, uh, actually the two places where I, I was, Trim and Iski, each advanced in the hurling games. And so that was That's big huge. news too, it was beyond me. I told them back in uh, Ohio, the big, big rivalries between Michigan and Ohio on Thanksgiving weekend. And Ohio State was humbled uh, for the second year in a row after dominating for many years. So I said, I'm glad to be celebrating victories with you. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Archbishop Pierre even mentioned that at your installation mass. He did. He, he did. something about the, he said uh, there the were, tears of Ohio. There were tears in Ohio, not just in Columbus. There were tears in Columbus, not just for the loss of their bishop, but more so for the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> a certain game having to do with Michigan. <laughs> we find ourselves now, af after Thanksgiving, we're jumping right into the uh, Advent season. We're, and we're... happy Advent. Isn't this great? Amen. I don't know about you, but I am ready. I think we need this time now more than ever. These days of Advent are, are always uplifting. They, they keep our focus you know, forward-looking looking to the coming of Jesus Christ, but taking notice of the signs of his presence among us even now. There's that sense of looking back, looking around us, and looking forward, but always seeing Jesus Christ, mm. Jesus Christ, God coming to live among us. As a pastor, I have mixed emotions regarding Advent because, you know, it gets you a little sense of anxiety as to are you prepared for uh, Christmas? Are we have everything in place? I know in your Sunday reflection, 
you're mentioning the uh, idea of sending out Christmas cards and having, you're really good at that anyway, that's an aside, but you're, I, I know that you've been sending out a lot of Christmas cards too. You're, you're very organized when it comes to- Well, I have a lot of help. That's really what it is. <laughs> I have people around me who are far more organized than I'll ever be. <laughs> but yeah, the season of Advent, we don't want to lose sight of the spiritual dimensions and that sense of already but not yet. We can't lose sight of the fact that we do cry out, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. We, we long for the fullness of God's kingdom, looking forward to Jesus' second coming, to his restoring all things. And so it, it is, we wear purple, violet during Advent because there's a penitential nature to it, that we're making room in our lives for the mystery of Christ and realizing that we fall short along that way. But at the same time, it's a, it's a joyful penitence, I, I find, more so than, say, Lent. Lent is stock, and, mm. and, and I love Lent, too. But Advent has a little bit those hints of the coming feast and those hints of drawing closer to Bethlehem. You know, you, you think of the journey of Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. And I know there's sometimes a little bit of debate. I'm not a purist on this, uh, you know. And on the one hand, I lament that the Christmas season begins before Halloween ends. <laughs> yes, yes. The I, secular Christmas the season. The secular Christmas. I mean, you know, and generally it's over. It's really, not only is it over the day after, it's generally over on Christmas Day. On Christmas. Day. The Christmas Day stops. is done. Christmas <laughs> Eve is, is this big deal. And yeah. then Christmas Day is more, oh, a day of rest, maybe go to the movies or something like that. It's really changed. That I lament, and I lament it strongly. I do believe we need to celebrate the seasons. But... Part of Advent is preparation, preparing ourselves for the coming of Christ. But there's, it links in with our preparation for the coming Feast of Christmas. That's right. And you hear that in the prayers. So it's, I don't think I'm going out on a limb. The other thing is, in today's world, the battle is not between Advent and Christmas. But it's really between Christmas and secularism. That's right. You know, I remember, this is a few years now, about 10 years ago, I was in Long Beach and I was with the religious ed students for the last week before they had their vacation. And we made it a lighter week. And in those days, it was organized by grade level. You know, fourth grade was Monday, sure. second, fifth grade was Tuesday. So it was, you know, a little lighthearted, looking forward to Christmas. And, you know, the kids didn't know any of the traditional Christmas carols. Oh, they heard uh, Frosty and Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. <laughs> but they never heard. They were kids who never that's heard sad. Silent Night. That's sad, yeah. And that's the battle, that we're not exposed to the real meaning of Christmas. And so if we can be part of that broader celebration, but proclaiming boldly the mystery that we celebrate during this time of Advent and Christmas. Why not? Why not? And nothing attracts more than joy. Okay. And isn't that the message of this Advent and Christmas? So, you know, yeah, let's get those nativity sets out there for people to see. Sure. You know, I love the custom of lighting up our houses and lighting up around the, the grounds. To me, it's an act of defiance, and Advent is an act of defiance. During here in this hemisphere, the darkest part of the year, what do we do? We shine it up. brilliant lights, multicolored lights. We, we, we shatter the darkness. We defy the darkness. And because what we believe is that God did that through Jesus Christ. 
And, and Jesus came and, and shattered the darkness of the world. On Christmas Eve at Midnight Mass, we say, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light upon those who dwelt in darkness and the shadow of death. A light has shone. A child is born for us. So let's shatter the darkness. There's a lot of darkness out there. And I'll just say one other thing. You remember the old Broadway song, We Need a Little Christmas. My goodness, this year we need Christmas. We need Christmas this year. We need Advent and we need Christmas more than ever. The last two Christmases have been kind of observed in the shadows. Truly damper. There's something good about being able to enter into the deeper spiritual meaning of it all. But, you know, we need to be together this Christmas and we need to proclaim this boldly and loudly. You know, if you remember... We sort of saw ourselves coming out of the whole pandemic and then that Omicron and not having the ability to test. Yep. I understand it, but we were kind of caught shorthanded. And yeah. so that when this variant came, people couldn't determine if they did have That's right. COVID or not. And so we all had to go back in to a sense of hiding. And Christmas was dampened. It wasn't the restrictions weren't placed on us, but the fear was sown. But we need... We need to celebrate Christmas. And one of my fears for the church is that there are a lot of people whose maybe their only connection with their faith is Christmas. It should be Easter too, and it should be every day. But two years of not having that one connection, that leads to a dangerous path. We need to be bold in proclaiming Christmas, proclaiming Jesus born. There's a a publishing company that's well-known in the country called Dynamic Catholic, and this author and CEO, I believe, Matthew Kelly. And, you know, he talks about these holy moments. You know, these are the moments when people encountered the church. And, you know, baptisms, communions, funerals, weddings. But obviously, Christmas, Easter, these are the moments when people are coming in. And if we're already at a limited number of moments, you know, And and we're losing a key one, you're right. Bishop, last Christmas, you know, this is your second Christmas with us in the diocese. Did you have a chance to make it through, speaking of lighting and shattering the darkness, did you have a chance to drive through Diker Heights at all? As a matter of fact, I did. Yeah. Forgive me, people of Diker Heights. I know (laughs) some of you love it and some of you hate it. I I understand. (laughs) I understand. Actually, I did not know about it. My brother knew about it. My brother just retired this year as a New York City police officer, and he told me, he said, I always wanted to bring my family to Dyka Heights during Christmas, never had the chance. We spoke about it on a day in Advent, and it just didn't work out. I forget what happened, but we ended up, I love this, we ended up going on an evening during Christmas week. So it was after Christmas. So yeah. the houses were still lit up. There were still people, but it wasn't the madhouse. Uh, yeah, the traffic and the all. The traffic and all of that. But wow, that, that was amazing. And there it was largely religious. Yes. It was largely pointing to the nativity scenes. And, yes, and yeah. Did you have any Advent practices at home? I mean, you know, I, I admit we had a small little Advent wreath on our dining room table when I was growing up, but that was about the extent of it. I mean, Mass, of course, every Sunday, but... The Advent calendars. The Advent calendars. That's what we did. And that's something I'm trying to hold on to now as the now great uncle. (laughs) Um, Not not great meaning uh, (laughs) in quality, uh, but great meaning the the senior generation. Um, By the way, just an aside, at at the wedding and even at a couple of other things, I'm finding myself at the senior table in the family. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's it's happened but any but it happened put that aside yes um the advent calendar we that was a big deal for us and we had one advent calendar and we were five 
children. So um, we would each have a day to open. to open the box, and that that was something that meant a lot to us. We yeah. you know, that was a that was a keen thing. The other thing that we did was it really, we, in a sense, the decorating of the house and the preparations mm -hmm. had something to do absolutely with, with um, the preparation for the coming preparation for the coming of Christmas. Yeah. You know, so we would start to pull things out gradually, and and that would get us ready. A silly thing that had nothing to do with Advent, but everything to do with childhood Christmas time. It become a thing that Elf, um, Elf, Elf on, on the, the Shelf. shelf. <laughs> yeah. Well, we had one of those. It wasn't that big thing about it, and we didn't I, actually. To me, some of the practices are a little bit. I, I don't know, scary. A little paranoia, right? Yeah, you know, for the, the child? elf watching. We never <laughs> had anything like that. The, the elf, elf is watching. watching you. But basically, the elf would show up in the Craziest silliest place. of places. <laughs> but that was our fooling around. You know, we would take turns. Not <laughs> even take turns. We would hide it. Just to, I guess we drove uh, my my mother crazy. And, and we had a, a, a train, you know, with the letters Noel. Each car had Noel, and we'd mix them up and things like that. So we had some good fun in getting ready. And then as it got closer, it got a little more intense. You know? mm -hmm. Christmas cards, my mom would tape them up as they came in. You sure. mentioned my writing Christmas cards. I have a whole bunch of people, I call them my Christmas card friends, people I went to college with, who my only contact with them it's is through the Christmas card. And you know what? On the one hand, you say, oh, you, you should have more contact. On the other hand, wow, isn't it great that we can keep that up and they keep we go that's, back and forth. So, that's right. So there's a beauty in all of that. They don't, if we can find ways to deepen the bonds of friendship and a family, th these are good things. Yeah, that's for sure. Also, in Advent, we begin to meet the, quote, figures of Advent. Of course, uh, this Sunday, we meet John the Baptist. Right. Every year, the second and third Sunday of Advent focus in on the person of John the Baptist. This year, we're we're exposed not to the kinder and gentler John the Baptist, if there was such a side, uh, but really we hear some harsh words from him. But his point is, what difference are you going to let it make in your life? You know, don't go through the motions. He came to proclaim the coming of Christ. If you're following him, he's saying, don't just do it out of curiosity. And, then, and I think that's a good message for us as we get ready. But really open your heart and your mind. Listen carefully to the voice of John calling us to follow Jesus. It's a message of conversion. And you know, when you hear John preach repentance and conversion, you think, oh, there's John being, you know, the finger point to sure. conversion, turn, you know, prepare the way, repent. But you know what? That was novel. In Jesus's day, there was no sense of possibility of conversion, of turning your life around. Once a sinner, you're marked, and that's it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So basically, for people who found themselves on the margins, this was incredibly Huge news. You mean I can start again? There's a chance for me, yeah. There's a chance for me, yeah. And he's saying, yeah, they're absolutely. So get ready. Make way for Jesus. He's going to turn your life around. And so he's bringing along those who are longing for something new. But he's also pushing aside those who are self-satisfied, who think, hey, we got it all under control. Who needs to long? Hey, we all need to long. That's right. So this is a time of repentance. So during that last week we'll be of Advent, we'll be celebrating the Sacrament of Reconciliation on the Monday just before Christmas. This is a good time to examine our consciences, to say, where do I need more room for Christ in my life? And where can I see conversion, repentance? These are things that John the Baptist 
helps us to see. So, so these two weeks, we're focusing in on that first figure, John the Baptist, make ready the way, make room for Christ in your life. And also sprinkled through Advent, you know, of course, upcoming feasts, some really important Marian feasts. Yes, it's a season of Mary, and of course, Mary is an important person during the season of Advent. And next week in our podcast, we'll have a chance to talk. Um, Keep in mind, the 8th of December is the solemn feast of the Immaculate Conception of Mary. It's a holy day of obligation. We encourage, we really uh, call upon all Catholics to make Mass a priority that day. This is one of those holy days that remains strong and has special meaning for us in the United States under the patronage of Mary of the Immaculate Conception. So uh, next week, though, we'll have a chance to talk about Mary because we'll be between the Feast of the Immaculate Conception and the coming Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And I want to hear next week all about your celebrations. You had a couple of We've great a, things. We've had a lot of great feasts here, a lot of great celebrations here at the Co-Cathedral in honor of Nuestra Señora de Providencia, Our Lady of the Divine Providence, uh, right. which you were present at, and then others such as the Feast for St. Cecilia. Which is also a patronal feast for? For singers. And for musicians. the mariachi bands, right? And for the mariachis, yeah. So you had, had some of the mariachi bands. We had mariachis going. nonstop here at the Cathedral. Okay, and then we had, uh, this past week, we had the images of Our Lady of Guadalupe and Juan Diego, which have been traveling through the whole state of New York. That's right. Gifts of Cardinal Dolan to the basically the metropolitan area. Uh, they're heading to uh, Rockville Center so, Diocese. And then, they'll and then be... back to New York for the feast day itself. And yes. Cardinal Dolan was kind enough to invite me to the feast day itself, but I think I might be busy that day. I think you're going to be, yes. <laughs> you and uh, 4,000 uh, diocesan uh, And this faithful. year we split that celebration into two because we had so many people that we think we can fill the cathedral and then some We're going twice. to fill the cathedral twice on the same day. So I'm looking forward next week to talking about Mary as, as an important person for Advent, but also all of these feasts, which really come alive. This Again, it's part of that bold joy of these days of Advent in preparation for claiming Christ. And talk about the light. You know, we'll talk more the about light. that light, the torch of the corredores, the runners sharing that light throughout the whole diocese. Yes. Uh, it's going to be beautiful. Bishop, would you like to end us with a closing prayer? Sure. Thank you, and happy Advent to all of you who are listening today. It's such a privilege to be able to sit with you and just relax a little and share these thoughts, especially around these seasonal days, that we can go a little deeper. And and I hope that you can enjoy your own customs um, and that they bring you closer to Jesus and bring a little bit of light into the darkness that surrounds us all. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May Amen. his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Yeah. May he look upon you with kindness and grant you his peace. And may the blessing of Almighty God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit come upon you and your family and remain with you forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. We ask you to please share the podcast with those who you know and continue to join us each and every week here on Big City Catholics. God bless.